How many of you have ever, like, taught a class or something? I know my, my brother-in-law, my, you preach and you've got two things up here, and you're like, which one do I do? <laughs> I love both of them. I felt both of them when I was writing them out. Which one is for the moment? I think we're going to go with uh, the emerging children of God is what I want to talk about today. The emerging children of God. There's something about that word emerging that came up in my spirit this week. And if you want to, you can open your, your Bible to Judges chapter 6. And uh, we may read a lot of that. We may not. Um, but Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to take a lot of our story today. Judges chapter 6. We'll get to that in just a second. So if you want to put a finger there. I love it. I, I've been using my dad's, one of my dad's Bibles that he gave me a long time ago. And I love when I read through it and I see his notes. And I've got Pawpaw's Bible, one of his old Dake study Bibles, where if I'm reading through it, I find notes that he wrote and things he highlighted and stuff. It's nothing like that. iPhones can't do that. Blackberries can't do that. So get you a Bible, dads. Study it. Write notes in it. Hand it to your kids. Get your Bible, study it, write in it, hand it to your kids. Amen? That's just for free. That's for fun. <clears throat> this first statement is important for you to get because it's the, the premise for everything that we say today, all right? God sees two versions of us. The first version is what is right here, right now, in the moment. But there's also the version, version that is emerging. And He loves to speak to the person that's emerging. He speaks to the person that's emerging. You guys hear that? He's prophetic. He likes to speak to the person that is emerging. He knows the end from the beginning, right? The Bible teaches us. He knows the end from the beginning. So what he does is he fixes things the way he wants them to be, and he goes backwards in time, and he sends his word to make what he saw and what he wanted happen. He sends his word to make that happen. So there's two versions of us right now. Everyone in the room... Um, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have a, a, a fulfillment in Christ, a, a, a mature you that Jesus formed in the secret place. Before you were ever thought of, he formed you this perfect, complete, mature, powerful person of God, right? Then there's that person we are right now that sometimes if we tried to compare ourselves with the emerging one, the one he saw in the future and where we are now, how many knows there's sometimes a space between there? The problem is many of us think that God is always dealing with the person that's right here, right now. When God speaks, He never speaks just to who we are right now. He's always speaking to who we are becoming. I want you to get that. It's so important for you to know that. When God's speaking to you, He's speaking to the you that is perfect and complete and mature. And what He's doing is He's releasing to, the, to you the prophetic declaration of His voice that creates everything, He's releasing that to you to guarantee that you end up where He saw you. <laughs> Nothing happens without a declaration in the kingdom. Amen? Everything that was created was created by His Word. The Bible even says that everything, that it, all the worlds and everything in the world is even held together by His Word. He's like the string that has been threaded through everything to hold it and knit everything together. His Word. That's, it. That's what holds it together. When you and I understand authority, then all we need is for Him to speak to us and for us to be ready to obey it. I want to take that word understand for a second. Right? When we understand authority, let's flip that word. Instead of understand, let's flip it to where it says stand under. 
when we stand under authority, you guys there? We see some great men of God just walked into the room. There's my dad. Is that Isaiah? Isaiah Reed's here. Hey, how you doing? Woo. Okay, I'm going to go preach that other sermon. Get that other one out here. That's the ace in the hole. No. Amen. When we understand authority, when we stand under his authority, then all we have to do is believe what he speaks to us and make room for it to happen. Amen. What happened when the centurion served, uh, he had a servant who was sick. He came to Jesus and he said something that was powerful to him. He says, I am a man of authority. In other words, I understand authority. I submit to authority and, and, and because I submit to authority, the people around me submit. When I tell them to do something, they go and do it. He goes, and I perceive that you're a man of authority. Do you know why he said that? Because Jesus only said what he heard the Father say. He only did what he saw the Father do. Jesus was a man under the authority of heaven, under his daddy's authority. And he went where the Father told him to go. He did what he saw the Father doing. So Jesus was a man who understood authority. And so this man goes, you're like me. You're submissive to authority. I can tell that. And, and because you're like me, I know that if I tell my servants to go do something, they will just do it. I don't have to go lift a hand. I just send the word and they do it. You're just like me. So you don't even have to come to my house, Jesus. If you'll just send your word, my servant will be taken care of. There's something about us submitting ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ and to the Father. Amen? When we do that, we align ourselves with the emerging person that's inside of us that he's speaking to. When I'm rebellious and I don't want to hear what he has to say, I cement myself in the here and the past. When I don't adhere to the word that he's speaking to me now, which speaks to my present and to my future, I lock myself into who I've always been. But when I submit myself to what he's speaking to me now, I become the emerging child of God that I'm supposed to be. You guys good? The story of Gideon, you can read this in your own time, we're going to do things to to cut some time out. But God sends an angel of the Lord to appear to Gideon, and and what does he say to him? Anyone know? Gideon's hiding, pressing wheat in a wine press at night. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of war. You're a mighty man of valor and honor. And Gideon's probably looking around the room. Is there any other Gideons in here? And Gideon's like, well, I'm the smallest in my clan. I'm the least of that. I'm this and this. When when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he didn't speak to who he was in the present and in the past. He spoke to who his emerging person was. And he says, Gideon, you see yourself like this, but I've been to the past and I've, I've been to the future and I've brought what I saw there to now and I'm speaking over you what you need to become who I saw. You're a mighty man of war. You're a a deliverer. Guys, when Jesus is speaking to us, when the Father speaks to us right now, so many of us, we cow down like a dog that's getting spanked with a newspaper. You know why? Because we think he's speaking to who we have been and who we are right in this second. We fail to realize that he's not just speaking to who we are now. He's speaking prophetically into who we're becoming. Say emerging. He loves to speak to that emerging version of us. He is so confident that we're going to be who he said we would be. 
I love Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, 13 for so many different reasons. But my favorite part, I think, of all of it is at the very end of it. He says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's awesome, right? I'm like, that's good. And then he says something that's so profound. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. How do you know that I'm going to actually seek you with all of my heart? He has confidence in us. He's our creator. He's our maker. Don't get bogged down in who you've always been and who you are right now. It's time for you to see yourself in a different light. You are an emerging child of God. When you see yourself as he sees you, it will completely shift the way we do life. Amen? See, God didn't speak to who Gideon was not. He didn't say, man, you're a coward. I need to put some courage in you. He spoke courage into him. That's why we have to partner with heaven. When God says something to us, we don't need to say, oh, but I'm this and I can't do that and I blah, 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 blah. Oh, but you don't know what I did the other day and you don't know what's in my heart. He knows what's there. That's why he's speaking to us. He loves us so much that he can't leave us as we are. Amen? He loves to see something and reverse back and send his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Isaiah 55.11, so my word which goes forth from my mouth will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, but it will succeed in the matter that I sent it to. The word of God, it has the ability to create in us what isn't presently inside of us. That's why we have to treasure the word. That's why we have to treasure the word. Every word that he sends to us is precious. There's no idle words from God. He's not just talking because he can. He's releasing to us who we're supposed to be. If I, if I ask everyone, if we had time to sit down and just do an interview, I bet most people right now, if they looked at themselves, would be bogged down in who they've been and who they are at this present moment. I bet most people are, are reading self-help books to help who they've always been and who they are right now. We don't need more self-help books, and we don't need more people saying, hey, who are you right now and who have you always been? We need to hear the word of the Lord that's speaking to the emerging person that's inside of us. Christ in you. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why don't you say that with me? Christ in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. In Luke chapter 2, the angel comes to Mary and tells her what he's about to do. And she says, be it unto me as you have said. And in verse 19, she, it says that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What? He says that I'm going to carry the, the Messiah in my womb? I bet every day she was daydreaming. If she daydreamed before, I, my wife's a daydreamer. So if she was daydreaming before, I can't imagine how Mary was after hearing this promise from, from God. Every second of the day, she's dreaming of, of the Messiah being inside of her womb. She pondered it in her heart. She kept those things close to her. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the, to the brood of vipers and to the, to the chief priests and the, the people that are always trying to trick him. 
And he's saying, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And they got offended at him saying that. Now, man, if Jesus came in the room and says, hey, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. How could we get offended at that statement? Yet they responded with, we've never been enslaved to anybody. What are you talking about if we've been, if we are going to be free? We've never been enslaved to anyone. No man has ever owned us. And Jesus goes, he's like, I can just see the whole thing. And these, the arrogance of it, right? And they're like, we're Abraham's children. We're awesome. Don't you know who we are? He's like, I know you are who you are. But there's no room in your heart because you haven't allowed my word to come and make room inside of you. So you're ready to crucify the person you're asking for because the word has not created space inside of you. You know, when we discipline our children and we're talking to them, they tune us out after a while, right? So we have to change our language and sometimes our, the way we say it and the, the manners which we say it with, right? The Lord doesn't shift and change how he speaks to us. He's not going to come up with some newfangled way to get our attention. He speaks to us. We can't tune him out. Oh, he's always said that to me. We're supposed to honor the word of God. Amen? Amen. Treasure the word. Let it make room inside of us. When he speaks to us, his word goes in inside of us and creates space, and it builds structures in us. It builds an infrastructure inside of us that will support what he sees us becoming. All right, listen to me. When he sends a word into you, it creates space and it begins construction. He builds foundations and builds steel platforms and builds this infrastructure that will support the emerging person that's inside of you. He builds character. He builds strength. He builds endurance. He builds faith. He builds confidence. He builds these things inside of us so that as we emerge, the person that we're becoming doesn't crush the structure that's inside of us. Amen? In Matthew 13, 21, it even says that the word of God will cause opposition to come. Has anyone ever noticed that? God gives you this really beautiful promise like, hey, you're going to be healthy, and then for six months you were sick. Anyone ever had something like that happen to you? God gives you this beautiful promise. You're like, oh yeah, the victory's finally come. He gave me this promise. And then there comes the opposition because of the word he just gave you. (laughs) Do you know that that is called compression? It's not tension. Tension tears things apart. Compression makes things stronger. When you see these great arches that they built, the Roman Colosseums and things like that, they figured something out that hadn't been figured out before. They figured that they could put this certain stone in between these arches and it would, be, it would cause compression. That the two forces, the, that the weights of each side of the arch would compress against this stone and hold it in its place. When God sends His Word inside of us and opposition comes become, because of the Word, it creates an arch inside of us of compression that holds it together so that it doesn't stumble and it doesn't fall and that it proves correct in our life. Amen. Some of us don't like those seasons. Some of us get frustrated. We're like, man, why would you give me such a wonderful promise and then allow all this evil stuff to happen? Anyone ever been there? Or you've been like, 10 years on this promise and it hasn't happened and you're still in this place of compression, I didn't say it's always fun. And he didn't say it's always fun. 
but it's necessary. It's necessary for opposition to come. He says, woe to the, from where it comes from, but it's necessary for opposition to come. Because through opposition, things are fortified inside of us. Steel comes into our heart. That's what it says about Joseph in Psalm 105. It speaks directly about Joseph's dream testing him until steel entered into his heart. Resolve. David had the lion and the bear with no 30-06s or bear guns or anything like that. He had the lion and the bear. Do you think God sent the lion and the bear to test and see, should I put my anointing on this guy? Let's see if he can really handle it. I'm going to let a lion come out and try to kill his, his herd and see what he does. No. <laughs> it wasn't to test whether or not he could carry what God says he could carry. It was to show what was already inside of David. We think when issues and trials and opposition comes, God's testing us to see if we'll still love him tomorrow. Will you still love me tomorrow? <laughs> we think he's testing us. We think he's trying to see if we'll hang in there. Well, I'm going to do like I did to Job and take everything away from him and see if they'll still love me. God's not like that. The lion and the bear came along to show David what he didn't even know was inside of him. I mean, look, all of us men, we would love to think we're really all that. But I don't think any of us would think that there's the, the potential inside of us to tear a bear apart with our bare hands. I figure if I could just get it started, <laughs> if I could just get it started, I know I could rip it, right? Just get it started somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Seinfeld stand-up comedy comes to me at times. If I could just get it started, I could tear that bear apart. I don't think David knew I could do this. But when the lion and the bear came apart, something inside of him emerged. A warrior rose up inside of him, and without even thinking, he goes and he tears it apart. And he tears the lion and the bear apart. Why? To show him what was already in his heart. Oh, man. So when Goliath comes out and he's doing all his chest thumping and bragging and all the stuff that he's doing and hurls, David's like, who's this guy I think he is? Can you see a little bitty teenage guy, a little small kid? He wasn't like, his muscles hadn't, he had those wiry muscles, you know? And he's just like, who's this guy I think he is? And they're like, what are you talking about, David? Don't, don't get us in trouble. We're hiding. Don't start something with this guy, you know? He's like, well, what's going on? And they're like, well, just stay away. He's like, look, there was a time when I was tending my sheep and a lion came out and I tore it apart with my bare hands. And then there was another time that a bear came out and I, tore, I did the same thing to him. And this time I did it with a little more pizzazz. Threw the bear away, yeah. What's up? Any leopards over there? <laughs> He's like, I will do the same thing to this guy. He's no different. You know why? Because David began to understand who he was. Something was emerging out of him. It was a defending of the name of God. David didn't do this for his own show or to win a war. He did it to protect the name of God. 
the man he wrote love stories about, poems about. He's like, I can't let some giant talk about God like that. That's the man I love. I can't let this go on. And, and, and because he stands in opposition, I'm not even afraid of him. Because I'll do the same thing to him. Because I don't come with a spear and a sword. But I come in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord. Amen? So these things weren't there to see if David could handle it. They were there to reveal what was inside of him. Because we're emerging. They weren't allowed to show weakness, but they were there to show strength. They simply showed what was already there. And David's private battles forged courage in his heart. There wasn't a, a, a big amphitheater watching David defeat the lion and the bear. There wasn't a big crowd. It wasn't a pay-per-view fight. You know, Nothing like that. It wasn't in an octagon and all that. It happened when he was by himself, away from everyone. So when he won the private battles, it gave him courage to win the public battles. Amen? So with this whole concept, there's two versions of us. There's the version that we are right now, and there's the version that's emerging. What, what role does discipline or punishment play in, in the life of an emerging child of God? And I have to hit this because it's so important. Hebrews 12, verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines those that He loves. Say the word discipline. There's a huge difference between punishment and discipline. You guys have heard me talk about this quite a bit, right? But it's important concerning the topic today about who I'm becoming. Punishment deals with the present and the past, right? Punishment is when we pay for who we are and who we have been. Punishment. When we pay for what we've done, we get wounded, we get hurt, we get slapped, we get something happens to us bad to make us pay for what we've already done. That's punishment. It freezes us in who we are. Punishment freezes us where there's no room for growth. The Bible doesn't say that He punishes those He loves. It says that He disciplines those that He loves. Because there's a fundamental difference between these two. Punishment is all about pain and fear. And 1 John tells us there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. That word perfected means brought to completion. The only way we can be brought to, to completion is through discipline, not through punishment. Guys, hear me out. I'm closing it up. Discipline is God dealing with our present and our future. It's when our loving Father deals with who we are by placing boundaries in our lives so that we can become who He said that we're supposed to become when we submit to the boundaries. Discipline doesn't work if we don't submit to it. <laughs> Some of us are caught in this place where we're trying to deal with who we've always been and we think God's trying to deal with who we've always been. And the only way to deal with who we've always been is to have punishment. Please hear me. The only way to deal with who we've always been is for punishment to happen. Do you know where punishment took place? the cross every evil thing we've ever thought and ever done has already been taken care of has already been punished at the cross <laughs> Jesus became our punishment he took it all on him 
So for you and I to think that the Father is still in heaven looking for ways to hurt us for who we've been, then we don't understand how good Daddy is. He's a good Father who disciplines us. Discipline empowers us for the future. It doesn't tie us to the past. Discipline is all about what is emerging, not what has always been. Amen? So every time God speaks, He's releasing our inheritance to us. He's releasing our identity. He's telling us who we are, and He's telling us who He is. And when you figure out who He is and who you are, nothing can stop you. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing past, present, future, no angels, powers, principalities, nothing can separate us from His love. How do we connect ourselves to His love? We submit to Him. We know Him as Daddy. We don't run when He speaks to us. He's causing our present to emerge into our expected end. Do you know that everyone in this room, you have an expected end? Everybody know that? There's an end to who you are that God expects to happen. Are you all okay? Come on, stay with me for five more minutes. There's an end that's expected to happen to us. Jeremiah 29, 11, I spoke a little bit about it earlier, but it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Y'all, we talk about this so much. Plans to prosper and not to harm. Plans to give you hope and a future. That end part, hope and a future, means hope and an expected end. In other words, God saw before the beginning of time who he wanted you to be. And he expects you to get to that place. And his method of getting you to that place is to speak to you as though you're emerging into that person right now. Oh, man. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He is causing us to know who he is and who we are in him. Romans 8.19 says, all of creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to emerge. The earth is groaning and crying out for you to figure out who you are in Christ. For you to emerge into this beautiful, beautiful creation. How did did the Bible describe the bride of Christ? Hobbled? Did I hear hobbled? Did I hear wounded? Did I hear burdened with sin? Spotless. Without wrinkle. Without spot, without wrinkle. That's our expected end. That is who he says that we're going to be. And if we will come under the authority of heaven and say yes to that, we can... (laughs) I want to say this. This It's going to sound crazy when I say it, so don't stone me yet, okay? We can almost float downstream and end up where we're supposed to be. Just by submitting to him. Like things become effortless. It's not this toiling and this working. Oh, I've got to deal with who I've always been and I've got to fight through the issues that I have right now. No, he wants you to live in a place of rest knowing he says you're going to be this and then just say, Lord, you said it. Send discipline. 
Send words, send lanes for me to stay in. Send boundaries. I obviously can't do this on my own. All the self-help books didn't do this. All the things I've worked really hard, and if I just work hard enough, I can stop this thing. No, you can't. What? For some reason, when we focus on a thing and we just work so hard to stop doing it, how many knows that most times we end up continuing to do that thing we want to try so hard to stop doing? Because we're dealing with who we've been and who we are. Instead of saying, Father, speak to me. Speak to the emerging. Come give me a Gideon word. I know I'm doing this thing and I'm hiding right now. Speak to me, mighty man of valor. You know, when Saul was anointed as the king, he was an amazing man of God. He was the best man for the job. I was, I was hearing a sermon this last week about this. And the really cool thing is, in, I think it's 1 Samuel 9. Um, Samuel gives him some instructions and he, and he, and he says, um, oh, the donkeys that you lost, they're over here, just so you know. And he didn't tell Samuel that he would lost some donkeys. And he goes, and if you'll come back to me later, I will tell you everything that's in your heart. Do you know what that means? I'm going to prophesy the word of the Lord over you so that what he's deposited in your heart will come to pass. The Lord is saying to every one of us in this church today, he's speaking to the version of us that's emerging. He wants to reveal to you everything that he placed inside of your heart. He wants to tell you all the things that are in your heart, all the issues, all the things that you worry about are not concerning to him. He knows that when he sends his word, all that stuff will disappear. Do you think God's really concerned with behind us? I mean, how many times in Scripture, forgetting what is behind. I put on the full armor of God. It has a breastplate. It has a helmet. It has a sword. It, has a, every, it doesn't say anything about guarding my back. I think God's not really concerned with behind. He's concerned with future. He's concerned with us emerging. Amen? Would you stand? And we're just going to pray into this thing. <clears throat> All of creation is waiting for you to figure out who you are. To just figure it out. Figure it out. How many of you would be honest and say, right now, I've been trying to deal with the past and who I am at the second. And I want to emerge today. If you want to emerge today, just raise your hands. We're going to do old school. I want you to come to the front. Come on. Come out to the front. Get to the aisle. We're going to play some really soft music. If Kyle just throws something really soft, it's, it's just because some people get nervous without music. So we don't want you to be nervous. But we want you to ask God to speak to who's emerging in you. Come on, all right? I'm not going to pray from here right now. I'm going to end it in prayer. But I want you just to call on to God right now. Say, so speak to the person that's emerging in me.
author and the finisher. You're the author and the finisher. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Turn us into another person. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come upon us and turn us into a new person right now. Put us on like a glove. <laughs> Send your word. We release the word of God. We ask you, send your word in this house. Help us to hear you. Help us to be sheep to hear your voice and not follow anything else. Lord, let what you say about us be the highest thing we value, Lord. Let your word over us be the thing we value the most, Father. No more shame. No more regrets. It's a new season. It's an emerging season. It's an emerging season. Amen? Come on, keep praying. Keep praying into this thing. Don't get tired. We will be who you said we will be. We will be who you said it will be. Oh, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus. We will be everything you said we could be. We are in covenant with you. Anchors are being broken. Yeah. Things that have tied us to those things are being cut right now. Well, I want you to do prophetic acts. I want you to take scissors out. If there are things tying you to it, just cut, cut the lines. Seriously, prophetic acts are important. It's like striking the ground with that arrow. We cut the ties that hold us down. We cut the ties right now in Jesus' name. Calling us into deeper places, into deeper waters, Lord. Calling, to us, calling us to a place of great peace and, and, and enjoyment and, and in satisfaction in who we are. We look to you today, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Come on, fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him, the author finisher, the author, the perfecter of our faith. He does everything with the end in mind. <laughs> he does everything with the end in mind. Nothing catches him off guard, guys. He does everything with the end in mind. He's a strategist. He's the greatest chess player ever. He does everything with the end game in mind. Yep. Lord, we prophetically right now release the word of God into these people's lives. We literally send your word to be spoken into them in Jesus' name. 
we unlock the emerging person that's inside of him. No longer bound with the things of now and of yesterday. We release the emerging person, Lord. We release the bride of Christ in them that's without spot and without wrinkle, that has no ties to this world. We release that into them right now in Jesus' name. We speak to our affections right now, Lord. Shift our affections to heaven. May we no longer be tied to our earthly affections. But may we burn for you, Lord. May our hearts burn for you like we prayed earlier. Give us heartburn, Lord. Our hearts will burn for you all the days of our life, Father. In Jesus' name. Now you just speak to yourself. Say, no more old self. That guy's dead. That person's dead. We nailed the coffin shut. No more. You know, it's, it's illegal to speak to the dead and... and, and kingdom customs you're not supposed to speak to the dead so stop having conversations with the old self don't be haunted any longer by the old man no such thing as ghosts tell him to go away crucif kill him again kill him again kill him again he's the thief of the emerging you kill him don't give him life don't let him tap out punish him punish the old man No mercy. No mercy. I have been crucified with Christ. Why don't you all say that with me? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Let's do that again. I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live Christ lives in me <clears throat> he didn't die for you he died as you oh. Oh, thank you. I no longer live Christ lives in me what a great word I no longer live Christ lives in me Christ lives in me Christ in me, the hope of glory. I love that too. It's not clear who we will be, but one thing we do know is on that day, we will be just like Him. <laughs> it has not yet appeared what we will be, but one thing we do know is on that day, why don't you say this with me, I will be just like Him. pray into that right there on the Holy Spirit's moving Holy Spirit do what you do draw us to the Father counsel us 
us who the daddy is. not yet appeared what we will be, but on that day, we will be like Him. Jesus. Seal this, Lord, in us. How does Holy how, how does God seal things? Almost gave the answer away. Holy Spirit is the seal. He's the seal. Seal us with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Oh, guys, the Holy Spirit's where it's at. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Let me say it in Jared's terms today. Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is emerging from you. Holy Spirit's the deposit. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, go after it. He's, been, he's the one been after you all this time. He's the one that talks to you when you lay your head down on the pillow. He's the one that tells you, oh, Daddy sure loves you. Oh, come on. Make us a Holy Spirit church. <laughs> Let us walk with a dove on our shoulder, with him in mind. Tell him, seal it in me, Lord. Now, here's what we do this is why we teach a culture of honor here. A culture of honor is where we treat everyone according to the emerging person, not who they've been. So we need new eyes to see one another, right? We need new eyes to see each other the way the Father sees us so that we can call each other to greatness, so we can call each other up to a higher level and say, hey, don't, don't stay down there with the turkeys. You're an eagle. Stop hanging around with the turkeys. You're better than this. You're better than this. That's so encouraging when someone comes to you instead of saying, dude, you're just a loser. What's your problem? Isn't it better when they come and say, dude, you're, you're better than this. You're, you're so awesome. This is what I see. What's, what's going on? Let's go. Come on. Don't settle. Don't settle. Yeah. So why don't you look at someone close to you and say, hey, I'm going to treat you 
according to the emerging you. <laughs> yeah. I think we should just build three tabernacles right here. <laughs> one to Moses, and one to Elijah, and one to the Lord. <laughs> Stay right here. Uh, amen. Let's do, let's do communion right now. And, and since you guys are already up here, if Vanessa and, and uh, uh, Terrence, will you guys help facilitate this? Just grab it and take it back to your seats. We're going to see this as a covenant sealing thing today. Amen? Communion is a sign of covenant. We're making a covenant. So if these up here, once they're served, then those in the seats, would you come up and grab you some communion, go back to your seat, and then we'll pray over it, and we'll do communion right where you're at. And then we're going to dedicate another baby whose name means praise. <laughs> Judah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's a good day, amen? How many, how many thinks it's a great day to be alive? 